All right, Matthew chapter 15. I want to preach this morning on a great New Testament mother. This is a great, if not the greatest, New Testament mother outside of Mary. But as far as a great mother, this is it right here. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. If you follow along with me, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. The Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly. And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us this morning into all truth, Lord God. And I want to thank you, Father, for these mothers, Lord. I pray you bless these mothers, Lord. And, Father, give them wisdom, Lord. Give them the understanding, Lord, to take care of the kids, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, for a good mother you give me. And my mother was willing to, even though I was fighting it all the way, Lord God, but she would take me to church, Lord God. I'd see her in the house reading her Bible, Lord. And I thank you for that. And, Lord, I thank you. Lord, that you've given us these words that we can read about what happened, Lord, with these mothers, Lord, and this mother in particular, Lord. And I pray, Father, that these words will be like holy manna come down for us, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to our heart the truth this morning, Lord. But after these services, when we give the invitation, Lord, for salvation, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that has never... Can't think of a time they've chosen that they've, they've believed on Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. They can't think of a time they've took Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Father, I pray, Lord, as we give that invitation, they'll just come on down the aisle and get saved, Lord. And I thank you, Father, it's just that easy that we just put our faith in that precious uh, uh, blood of Jesus Christ and what you've done for us and to pay for our sins. And I pray in all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so this is one of the greatest New Testament mothers you're going to find uh, in the Bible, I mean, New Testament mothers, she is uh, pleading to Jesus. And I want to preach this morning a mother's plea. A mother's plea. Now, this woman, as we go through this these set of verses up through verse 28, we're going to find out this mother pleaded wisely. She's going to plead persistently. And she's going to plead humbly. She's going to plead wisely, persistently and humbly. So let's start out with the first one. Let's start back up at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan. Now this story is also told in Mark chapter 7. So I'm going to be referring to Mark chapter 7 on and off a little bit. But in Mark chapter 7, this same story is told. And, in that, in that, and Mark records it as she was uh, not only a woman of Canaan, but she was Greek and a Sipharitian. Now that is what we would call modern day Libya. She was North African. This is an African woman. She's a Gentile. She's not a Jew. That's very important to understand later on in the story. She's a Gentile. She's not a Jew. She's an African woman. She's from Africa. And she shows up. And this is how she does. She starts pleading wisely. How does she plead wisely? Well, first off, it says in verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed. With the devil. She's wise enough to understand her daughter has a spiritual problem. She knows it's a spiritual problem. That's what we forget as Christians. The world should, the world should forget this. They don't even know anything about what we're talking about. But as Christians, we should never forget there's a spiritual side to things. And when we see things going on, maybe in our loved one's life, in our kid's life, whoever it is out in the world, you turn on the news, you see some of this crazy stuff happening, you're like, they have no common sense. Yeah, because they're probably possessed of a devil. 
There's unclean spirits working behind the scenes. Devil, the devil is real. Satan is your adversary. He is real, and he works in the spiritual realm. And we forget that, and we kind of lay back, and we're trying to see things with our eyes and try to understand it with, with our reasoning, with our mind, and it don't work because these are spiritual things. And this woman was wise enough to see what was going on with her daughter and say, there's something spiritually wrong with her. She's vexed of a devil. She's vexed of a devil. Now, in Mark 7, it mentions that this girl is young, a young daughter. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is... Uh, what we need to understand is that a young child can be possessed of an unclean spirit. It's biblical. And that's why we need to be very cautious with our children, very guarded with our grandchildren, very guarded with our nieces, our nephews. We need to keep them away from this, from this demonic stuff you see going on in the music and in the TVs and the movies. Be careful what you're letting them watch. Be careful what you're letting them listen to. There's demonic spirits in this world, and they can possess your child. This woman's child was possessed. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus Christ asked a man who brought this, this, uh, his son to him, and Jesus, who was, had an unclean spirit, he was possessed, what we'd say possessed of a demon. That's the words we use today. This, guy, this guy's son was possessed of a demon. Jesus Christ asked him in Mark chapter 9, how long has this been going on? And the dad said, since he was a little child. He's been foaming at the mouth. He's been throwing himself in the fires. He's been trying to kill himself. And of course... Jesus heals him. But the important part of that scripture is, he says, of a child. And we kind of can forget that, that little children can be possessed. And she had a young daughter, and she, brought, she comes to Jesus Christ and says, Hey, my daughter's vexed with the, with the devil. She knows there's a spiritual problem. And sometimes, as parents, we can focus so much on, I want to make sure my kids get all the educational training they can get. And in the world we're living in, it's all the sports training they can get. I want to make sure my kids get all the best sport. I'll put all my money and my time and my resources. And every dad that's in here who has a son that knows how to throw a baseball, we'll take him out there and show him how to hold a bat. And we'll spend time showing him how to shoot a basketball. And every dad in here who has a son has dreams of their kid playing in the NFL or the NBA or Major League. <laughs> so they'll buy him a new house, you know, when they get up there. Right when you hit the big time, brother. Shelby Miller, Brownwood, uh, 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 pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals. He grew up in Brownwood. He, uh, uh, he started pitching for the St. Louis. The very first thing he did is he bought his parents a new home. That's a good kid. My son didn't buy me a new home, you know. But he never made it up there that far. But we all put our time into that, right? And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but when we put all our resources into sports training, we put all our money and time into educational training, and we forget there's something more important than that. It's called spiritual training. We need to make sure our kids are getting spiritual training, that they're getting the Word of God. They're getting to understand what the Word of God says, what Jesus Christ expects to, out of us as man, as women, what the Bible says, how we should live our life, how we should conduct ourselves, all the spiritual training you should be getting in a Sunday school class or in a church service or in Sunday school, any other Sunday school, that's what we should be getting our kids. That's why it's so important to get our kids into church so they'll get that foundation, they'll get that spiritual training because they're not going to get it from the world. And the world's going to try to teach them something that's so far out there, it's going to be as far away from Jesus as you can get. It's our job, it's our responsibility. And this woman was wise enough to understand, hey, my child's got a problem and it's a spiritual problem. Praise God. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of 
David. She says, have mercy on me. She's wise enough to understand that she has no merit or rights as a Gentile to a Jewish Messiah. She, has, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Son of David, that's a Jewish Messiah title. That's not something a Gentile would say. He's the son of David. That means he's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the anointed one. He's the one sent from God. The Bible goes on to say he's God manifest in the flesh. He's not only the son of David, he's the son of God. He's, he's, and she recognizes that. And she understands, hey, as a son of David, as a, as a, if I was a Jew, if I was of Jewish heritage, if that was my Messiah, I have a right to ask my Messiah, bless me, heal me, heal my daughter, do something for me. But she, has, she knows she has no merit. She has no right. She's a Gentile. God didn't send, we're about to read what Jesus is going to say. She has no rights. God sent it to the Jew. It's to the Jew first, then the Gentiles. You guys are lucky. We have no rights. I'm not a Jew. What am I trying to do? Get into all the Jewish blessings. Genesis chapter 12, God says he's going to bless Abraham and his descendants. Well, I don't know about you, but I've got a genealogy tree at home. I don't see Abraham anywhere at the back there. <laughs> no, we have no rights, but the Jew does. But she under, she's wise enough, being a Canaanite, understanding that she's from Africa, she has no rights to ask a Jew for his blessings. So she comes and says, have mercy. Have mercy on me. See, mercy is the only way you can ask God. Mercy is the only way you can ask God. No way. You can't ask God for any... God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your strength. God doesn't need your mind. God doesn't need anything you have. Anything. He doesn't need anything you have. He doesn't need it. So when you come to God and you need something, you need to ask in mercy. Lord, I don't deserve it. I have no merit, but will you show me some mercy? You can't show up with God and say, Here, here's a million dollars. Here's a billion dollars. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your strength. He doesn't need you. He created you. You have no rights to ask God of anything. Mercy allows us to access God's grace. It's so wonderful. Mercy allows you to access God's grace. And you're about to see this woman get God's grace. But it's, she accesses it through asking for mercy. The third thing you need to know about her, her pleading, her case wisely. She was wise as a mother's plea. She's wise as she pleaded her case. The third thing you need to know is she recognizes and she's wise enough to plead to the one who can fix the spiritual problems. <laughs> It's one thing to say, I've got a spiritual problem, so now I'm going to go down to Kingdom Hall and see if they can help me fix it out. Well, praise God, a lot of them are shutting down, so you might not have, not have any luck. This woman was from North Africa. She could have went down south. She could have went to all the voodoo witches. She could have went to all the spiritual, the false gods. She could have went to, to, to the sun god. There was many gods at this time when Jesus walked the earth. There were many false gods, false prophets, false teachers walking around on the earth at this time. But she chose the right one in Jesus Christ. She said, I want to go to the one I know can fix him. She was wise in that wise. She was wise enough to plead to the one who could fix her spiritual problems. 
A doctor can't fix it. See, a spiritual problem, brothers and sisters, a spiritual problem is something that a doctor can't fix. And a doctor's so good. A doctor's, we need doctors. We, we rely on doctors. Praise God, praise God for the wisdom he's given doctors. But when it comes to spiritual problems in your life, doctors can't fix those. And they try, some of them try to fix them through pills and through different things. And I'm not saying you might have a physical problem that needs it. I'm not telling you to get rid of your medicine. I'm just telling you that sometimes you need to stop and think, is this problem that I'm dealing with that's not physical? Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe there's something spiritual going on in my life. But we're so quick to forget the spiritual and go straight to the physical. And a doctor can't fix it. A psychologist can't fix spiritual problems. And the world thinks that. The world thinks a psychologist will fix all my spiritual problems. He can't. He might be able to help you through some things. He might be able to help you understand why you're thinking a certain way. But your spiritual problems is something only God can fix because God is a spirit. And we must worship him in spirit and truth. That's what Jesus told us. We forget that kind of stuff. A gym membership can't fix your spiritual problems. A pill or a drug can't fix your spiritual problems. Those will not fix your spiritual problems. Some people, and I don't blame you. I don't blame anybody who does this. I would do the same thing. Some people come to Jesus Christ looking for a physical healing. They come to Jesus Christ looking for a physical healing. Real, well, in reality, what they really need is a spiritual healing. And they come to Jesus looking for a physical healing, hoping they'll get a physical healing, hoping they'll get to some kind And really, in reality, what they need, they do have physical problems. They might come into the church in a wheelchair looking to be healed and be lifted out of that wheelchair. But in reality, you might be a lot better off leaving the church in a wheelchair and have your spiritual soul healed. That's more important. Brothers and sisters, think about this. I want you to think about this. I want you to meditate on this. I want you to really think hard about this. If you come into this church and let's say God just give me the gift of healing. Just boom, give it to me. Now, why would the Lord want to do that? I have no idea. Let's say he does. He just gives it. And in this right hand, I got the gift of healing. And you were to bring people in. We start lining them up. And like Brother Terrell out there at the Terrell Lights, I just start hitting them in the head and they start dropping. Bow, bow. And they're getting up, jumping up. I'm healed. I mean, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about tithes anymore. Amen. I mean, people be giving like billions of dollars. Cancer patients coming in. I could heal. I could heal everybody from everybody in Hamilton County and Comanche County. Come out. I could heal everybody up. Praise God. And they're all still going to die. Everybody you read in this Bible that Jesus Christ healed and He did some miracles. He raised people from the dead. They went right back down into the grave. You're still going to die. You first and foremost need to be spiritually healed. You need a spirit, and that spiritual healing can only take place by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the next one. She was wise. She pleaded wise. And I think verse 22 shows us that. She's a wise woman. She's a wise mother. Aren't our mothers always the wisest? Aren't our mothers always the wisest? Maybe you had a mother, I don't know if you had a mother like me, but like I could steal something out of a cookie jar or take something, and she knew I did it. How'd she do that? And you know, it wasn't like there was cameras back in the 70s that she had pointed at the cookie jar or whatever I was stealing. She knew I did it. How'd she do that? How'd she know that? I was uh, reading about a preacher that on Mother's Day, he was, uh, on Mother's Day he goes, my mother 
practices what I preach. I like that. I like that. My mother practices what I preach. Look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. But he answered her, that would be Jesus, he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and saw him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Lord God, Son of David, have mercy, have mercy. And Jesus ignores her, keeps on walking. You're reading it. See that verse 23? But he answered her not a word. That's your Jesus. This woman was persistent. She didn't take no for an answer. You ever had mothers like that? I know my mother's persistent on whipping me. She was real persistent on that. I've told you the story. I've told it a hundred times with Billie Jean. My sister's in here, so she, she, this is a good one on my mom, on our mother. So they called up. My, uh, I called my mom up and said, I, hey, I want to I stay over my friend's Chris Holly. I'm going to stay over Chris's house. I'm going to hang out here. No, come on home. I don't want to come home. So I just hung up. You know, and as soon as that phone hit the, some inside of me said, you just made a huge mistake. And I turned to my, Chris, my friend Chris, Chris said, what did she say? I said, well, I better go home. <laughs> and I got up to the door, and I went out back of his house, and I went out, and I went out to get on my bicycle. And about that time, here comes her court. She, she had a 68 Camaro she had bought because she'd worked at GTE. Here she comes. Ooh, I hear her. Ooh, and she comes to that parking lot. It was all gravel. She comes to that parking lot. I knew I was in trouble. She's a little Irish lady about this tall. When I say Irish, I mean she was a firecracker. She jumps out of there with this belt, looked like Indiana Jones. Like that, you know, and I'm like, whoa! She lights me on the back, so I jump on that bicycle, and I'm trying to ride out, and she's like Indiana Jones with me, all the way. No, mama, no, mama, no, mama, no, mama. If I ever called my mother by her name, ooh, hey, Vicky, ooh, she would have slapped my teeth out of my face. I'm glad, I'm glad there's no thing. That, see, I don't remember CPS around in those days. I, don't, I deserved it. I was reading about this little boy that was in a grocery store, and he couldn't find his mom, so he's like, Martha, 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 and his mom sees him and runs over there and says, what do you need? You, I was lost. She says, now, now, honey, don't ever call me Martha. I'm mother. He goes, I know your mother, but there's, this store's full of mothers. <laughs> I don't, my mom wouldn't let me get away with that one. She was persistent. She cried after us. Look at, uh, he doesn't answer her. Jesus Christ ignores her, and the disciples came and besought him, besought Christ, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. She's not going to take no for an answer. Lord Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy, Jesus. And the disciples, you know, they're turning around. And remember, this is an African woman. I grew up in the black neighborhood playing lots and lots of basketball with black guys with black mothers. And those ladies can talk. <laughs> Loud. And I love them. They treated me like I was one of theirs. I love them. I love them to death. 
Coley Russian's mom treated me like a son. She was, I mean, she was so wonderful to me, hug on me. But that woman, when she wanted to talk, she yelled. I mean, it was like, woo. And I, I think about her when I see that. She sendeth her away, for she cried after us. She's just a yelling and a yelling and a yelling. You know old Peter was the one who was like, man, shut her up. <laughs> well, James, I don't, James, tell her to go shut up. And you know, John's like, I'm not going to go over there. No, tell her to shut up. Well, what are we going to do? I'm going to go tell Jesus to tell her to shut up. So Peter goes over there. I'm thinking it's Peter. Send her away for she cried after us. He says, man, Lord, do something about this woman. She's pestering us. She's getting on my nerves. She's getting on all of our nerves. She's driving us crazy, guys. This is a mother that pleads with persistency. And I want you to think about something. She's crying, and he ignores her. He doesn't speak a word. Have you ever prayed and don't feel like God's hearing you? Don't say amen. I have. <laughs> pray, you pray. And you get up off your knees and you're thinking, I don't think, the, what, what, the Lord's not answering me. There's no answers. You ever been there? Here's the Lord doing that. This is a perfect example. She's crying. Her daughter's in pain. Her daughter's vexed of a devil. She, she needs help. She's, in, she's crying, all, saying all the right things, and he's ignoring her. Have you ever been like that? I have. A lot. But she shows us something we should do. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't give up. You got breath? Yeah. Pray. Amen. Pray. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. Don't ever give up. The prayer of a mother will chase her child around the globe. You mothers have a child that's wandered off. You've got a grandchild that's wandered off and you're, it's breaking your heart. Don't give up praying. Keep on praying. Those prayers, a mother's prayers, have power and they'll chase a man around the globe. They'll never give up. They'll chase them. They're like, the, they're like the hounds of hell chasing that son, chasing that daughter that's living out in the sin, living out in the world. Those prayers of a mother, they'll just come after that child. And not give up. God's not going to let you get, let those prayers fall. He's hearing you. That don't mean he's answering you. Did Jesus hear her? No doubt about it. He heard her. Everybody heard her. Everybody heard her. But Jesus chose to ignore her. And sometimes we pray to the Lord. And we feel like we're not getting an answer. Because God's not talking. He does things in his own time. This is the Jesus that is your savior. This is his character. This is what you need to know about your Jesus. This is how he can be sometimes. Sometimes he just doesn't answer. Say, so why does he do that? I don't know. But why does he do that? He's God. He does what he wants to do. <laughs> Amen? He does what he wants to do. Notice what she does there in verse 24. But look at verse 20, 24. Look at what his answer is. Jesus Christ answered. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She has no right to ask me of anything. I'm sent to the Jew. I'm sent to the Israel. I'm not sent to the Gentiles. I'm not sent to them over there. She has no right to ask me of anything. So he just ignores her. He hears her, but he ignores her. That's what he tells his disciples. He's not even going to answer her. But she's not going to let that be enough, praise God. 
You know, she could have right here, bro, and that's what a lot of us would have done. When he stopped, he wasn't answering her, he wasn't talking to her, and she seen him turn and tell the disciples, hey, she doesn't have no right to get anything from me. She could have said, you know what, I'm going somewhere else. What did she do? She ran in verse 25. She came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Boy, I wish I had that faith. Lord's not answering me. Lord's not answering me. Lord's not answering me. So you know what? Lord, I stayed down on my knees for 10 minutes praying. Tomorrow, I'm going to stay down 15 minutes. Did you get an answer? No. Maybe I need to stay down 20 minutes. Maybe I need to stay down 25 minutes. Don't give up, brothers and sisters. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. A mother's plea, she pleaded wisely. She pleaded persistently. And here we're going to find in verse 25 and 26, she pleaded humbly. Humbly. He's ignoring her. He won't have anything to do with her. He gets, she gets down. In Mark chapter 7, it says she got down at his feet. Here it says she worshipped him. She's showing him she's worshipped him. And then she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. At his feet, worship him as the Lord. Humbly asking for help. Not demanding. He doesn't have to do it. See, she knows that. He's not demanding it. Lord, you've got to help me. She just said, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me. And she gets down and she gets down and she says, please help me. Lord, help me. And she's worshiping. She's showing that he has, he's the one that can do it. And she believes that. And she knows that. And she, nobody's going to run her off. <laughs> no one is going to run her off. Why? Because she knows that's the answer to my daughter's being healed. Some of y'all ladies are like that in here, and praise God for it. I know if there was a doctor, there was only one doctor in the world that could heal your kid up, and you, could, you would get in that doctor no matter what it took. Whatever it took. I know a... I know a guy was having trouble getting his uh, kid into a doctor up in Dallas, and they answered fine. They kept sending him around, sending him around. You know what he did? He just drove all the way up to Dallas, walked into the doctor's office, and said, I need an appointment. Well, you got to have it. Well, I'm here to make an appointment. I want one right now. And they got him in. Some of your mothers are like that, and praise God for it. Americans are so spoiled, they expect that they should get whatever they ask. See, she's humbly asking. See, most Americans would say, he, he, he's supposed to give that to me. He's got to give that to me. Why didn't I get mine? Why doesn't my, my, my daughter get healed? She knows she's not, she's not expecting it. She's trying to get it because she knows this is what she's going to get. She's humbly asking, please, please, Lord, help me. Please, Lord, help me. What's his answer in verse 26? One of the strongest... <laughs> Wow, look at verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. That's your Savior. See this, I'm supposed to be to the children of Israel. I'm supposed to be feeding them. It's not right for me to take the food that's for God's children, Israel, and give it to dogs. He just called her a dog. If that doesn't hum you, hum you down, I don't know what will. That would have been enough for most of us, amen? If Jesus Christ comes into your life and says something like that and calls you a dog, that's, a, that's, that's enough for a lot of people to leave. 
but not you guys. Because you got called something worse than a dog. You got called a sinner. And there comes a time in your life, I don't know if it's going to happen through a preacher, it's going to happen through, uh, through a Bible, it's going to happen through wherever it's going to happen, it's going to happen to you that somehow or another you're going to find out that Jesus Christ thinks you're a sinner. Are you going to handle that truth? Or are you going to run from it? Now the world, the way they handle it, is they ignore it and they run from it. Because if you witness to people, you try to lead people to Jesus Christ, that's the main resistance. That's the wall that comes up almost every time is a self-righteousness. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I'm not that bad. Look at what he does. Look what these Christians do. They always want to point at everybody else. They don't want to look at themselves and say, yeah, you're right. I'm a sinner. They don't want to admit it. And he says, woman, you're a dog. You're nothing but a Gentile dog. How is she going to handle that humbly? Look what she, well, her answer is to that. She said truth. <laughs> See, when we get to heaven, I want to meet Jonah, I want to meet Elijah, and I want to meet this lady right here when we get to heaven. Because she's the only one that's going to be able to catch Jesus in his words. The only one. It wasn't a man it wasn't one of the disciples. All the Pharisees and Sadducees, they got scared of Jesus because every time they asked him a question, he'd catch them in their own words and put it back on them. So, and he'd give them stuff. They couldn't handle it. This is the only woman you're going to find in the Bible that took Jesus Christ's words and used them against him. You women are dangerous. Us married men know what that's like. He did it. She did it to him. He says, you're nothing but a dog. She says, yeah, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. See what she just said right there? She says, that's true, Lord, I am a dog, but I'm your dog. And you're my master. See it? And I'm not asking for the whole bread, Lord. I'm not asking for this big... Lord, I'm not asking for these huge showers of blessing, Lord. I'll get down at your feet. I'll be your dog. Just drop me a few crumbs from the children's table. Praise God. I might be a dog, Lord, but I'm your dog. She says, I just want a crumb, not the whole meal. You know, a dog, which is what I was when I was a kid, I ran like a wild dog. I ran like a wild dog. And when I got saved, I'm still a dog. The difference is I got a master now. And he says, go. And I went to Indian Gap. He says, sit. So I've been sitting at Indian Gap for about 17 years. And one of these days he's going to say, come here. And I'm hoping it's come here up into heaven. Amen. He says, go. Yeah, bark. So I get up here and bark. Sit, roll, sit down, run. I'm waiting for him to tell me to bite. I'll bite. You know what I like about a dog? When it has a master, it's loyal. It's loyal. Don't you wish we had the loyalty of dogs? Sit for their masters for days and weeks and months. John Wayne was out hunting. Uh, you ever heard of that gospel song, This Old House? That song was written by a guy that was hunting with John Wayne, and they were out in the, 
up there in the mountains hunting, and they came across this old cabin, and they found this, old, this guy dead, and he'd been there dead for a long time. And right next to him, he was laying on his, like in his rocking chair, and he's laying there dead in that cabin, and they walked in that cabin, and his old hound dog was still laying there by his master's side. Not going to leave him. Don't you wish we could be that loyal to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You know what else I know about a dog? A dog's a defender of the family. You can have a dog that can love everybody in the family. You get somebody from outside the family to come along and push one of the kids down or do something, that dog, rah, 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 rah. it's a defender of the family. One thing I know about a dog, too, is a dog don't care what you look like. How much money you have in your back pocket? It don't matter. It don't care. He don't. A dog don't care how big you are, how small you are, how smart you are, how dumb you are. A dog just loves you. I've seen a guy walking down the road, and he he was so ugly. He looked like he hit, he didn't get hit by an ugly stick. He hit every branch coming down out of the tree. I mean, just just ugly as the day is long. And there was this dog following him, just wagging his tail, like he was following the king of England. All happy to be around his master. Dog doesn't, dog, you know, a dog doesn't have to understand everything his master does. It just follows along. Don't you wish we could be dogs for Jesus Christ? This woman says, I am. She said, truth, that's humble, brother. Sister, that's humble. When, some, when a man was to, and a man you don't know tells you you're a dog and you say, yeah, I'm a dog. But then say, but I'm your dog. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then answered, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, being unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Praise God. See, what you got going on here, brothers and sisters, is this Bible is, we're supposed to rightly divide this Bible. There's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament, there's doctrine. You've got to do it right. So Jesus Christ doctrinally at this time is not sent to the Gentile. He's only sent to the Jew. He's only supposed to be doing miracles for the Jew. So he's in what we would call a, the Israeli dispensation. He's in that dispensation. But what he did is he's in this dispensation and she's over here. He's not supposed to be helping her. He just steps over here and says, okay, I'll give it to you. And he comes back over here. He just does, Jesus just does what he wants to do. And how did, he, why, how did she get that accomplished? How did this plea, how did she get this answer to her plea? Well, she was wise, she was persistent, she was humble. Boy, you can't say she wasn't humble. And when you add those three together, what you're going to get is you're going to get great faith. Great faith. Jesus answered, said to her, a woman, great Great is thy faith. Great, not little. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. He wasn't talking to her. He's ignoring her. He didn't have nothing to do with it. He called her a dog. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. You ladies, God's gifted y'all with a special ability. And uh, I think some of that ability is a spiritual discernment of what's going on with your kid's life. I've heard of women being at the, at the, at the park, and there'll be somebody at the park, and they'll just run over and get their kids. I don't like the I, just, I get a funny feeling about that guy. You, you pay attention to those funny feelings, because y'all got it. I mean, God's giving y'all a spiritual discernment. Us men, we're dumb. We don't have it. Another gift God's giving y'all is a gift of gab. Y'all can talk. Like this lady, y'all can catch us in words. 
Dr. Morgan, Dr. Morgan had, was, had four sons, and all four sons were preachers. Dr. Morgan and his four sons, and they were at a family reunion. They walked up to one of the sons and said, which one of y'all is the greatest preacher? And the son turned around, Mom. God bless you, mothers. God bless you for taking care of us kids, putting up with us, putting up with your kids, putting up with your grandkids. You will get a reward. But if you got one of your kids that's ran off, that's vexed of a devil, that has some spiritual needs, don't give up praying. Be wise in your prayer. Go to the right one. The right one's Jesus Christ. Be persistent. Don't give up. You say, well, he's not answering it. I know he's not answering it, but he will. Be persistent. Be persistent. And above all else, be humble. When the Lord shows you something going on, be humble enough to say, okay, that's true, Lord. That's true. And keep on praying. Keep on praying. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your love and grace. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, that even though this was a time that you weren't supposed to be working for the Gentiles, Lord, you decided to go ahead and do it. Lord, that shows your, mer your mercy. That shows your grace. That shows you, Lord God, that uh, it shows me, Lord, that uh, I don't deserve it, Lord. I'm just a Gentile dog. But you're gracious enough to give it to us, Lord. And I'm talking about that salvation we have in Jesus Christ through the precious blood and the sacrifice you've given us, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we come to the end of these services, Lord, as we give an invitation, if somebody's heart's been touched this morning, Lord, and they don't know for sure if they're saved, that they'll come on down and get saved. Lord, maybe they need to come down on the prayer altar, Father, and just talk to you, Lord. Maybe, you're not, maybe you haven't been uh, answered on, Lord God, for whatever reason you have. You're God. We give you all the glory. But we humbly ask you, Father, to answer these prayers of these ladies. Then praying for their loved ones, Lord God. Answer the prayers of the fathers that have been praying for their kids, Lord God. I pray, Father, you just answer the prayers of these parents that love you, trying to do the right thing, Lord. May their kids have wandered off, Lord. May they're vexed of a devil. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around each one of them, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, Lord God. And I pray you bless them. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16 and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world but Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. 
It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him